Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Nehemiah by looking at Nehemiah chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Now when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God. For we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them that day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we are not able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open spaces, I stationed people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and the half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side, and he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials of the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant 
pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servant nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. As Nehemiah is telling this part of the story, he lets us know that Sanballat, his nemesis in this story, is frustrated that he has not been able to discourage the Jews from building to this point, and he comes to where they're working, and my translation says he jeered at the Jews. The word there means to mock or jeer, but it also carries with it maybe the idea of imitating an accent as you do it. This is what Sanballat is doing here. And as he's doing it, he gives the Jews absolutely every excuse they have to fail at their work. They even start to believe some of it. They wonder if they're going to be able to do the work because it's so much. Sanballat mocks their heritage. He calls them feeble Jews. Uh, Often, even in our own society, we will demean or diminish people or groups of people based on their heritage. Sometimes that's enough to intimidate someone into giving up on whatever they're pursuing. Sanballat also mocks their ability. He says, can they restore it for themselves? Are these guys actually going to be able to do this? And putting doubts in their minds that they can actually accomplish the work that's before them. Again, in our time, we may even be guilty of telling people they're not going to be able to do one thing or another because they lack the ability. He also challenges their purity. You may have noticed the phrase where he says, are they going to be able to even offer sacrifices here? A temple should be a holy place, a purified place, uh, something that conveys the majesty of the deity being worshipped. Sanballat's basically saying to them, what's the point? It's not going to be a place where you can offer sacrifice anyway. He also challenges their perseverance. Can you guys get finished in a day? You know you're not going to be able to last much longer than that. He challenges their ability to hang in there and persevere. He also challenges whether or not they've thought this thing through and have the proper planning. Are you going to be able to revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burnt stones at that? And in the same way, in our time, we're often guilty of challenging someone's purity. Do you think you're good enough to be able to do this? Do you think that what you accomplish will be something that God would even appreciate? We will also question whether or not the people involved will be willing to see things through and stick to it. And we often wonder if enough planning has gone into the endeavor. Has every contingency been thought of? Has every variable been planned for? And it's bad enough when we do those things to others, or we have folks do those to us. They make us feel like we're going to be a failure. But far too often, we're the ones saying these things to ourselves. We feel ill-equipped and unworthy to participate in God's work. And because of that, when we're challenged to participate, we often offer up every excuse because we expect to fail. And if it's not enough that people are challenging our ability or willingness to do the work, there are some who will actually become angry and even work against us if we attempt it. When we add all those things together, we may sometimes wonder if it's worth the effort. Should we do it? 
just like the Jews of Nehemiah's time, we may wonder if we can complete it on our own. But Nehemiah responds to this sense of insecurity that is starting to develop among the Jews by reminding them that they have every reason to succeed. In our time, when we're challenged to do the Lord's work, we may give in to the voices that tell us we can't or we're not good enough or we won't be able to finish. And that may cause us to not do the work that God's called us to do. But I think frequently we need to ask ourselves, what would we be willing to do for the Lord if we knew we would not fail? Because in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus tells us that with God, all things are possible. If we are doing the work that God wants us to, and we're joining him in the work that he is bringing about, we're going to succeed. It doesn't matter our heritage or ability or purity or ability to persevere or uh, the planning that goes into it. Others don't have to like or appreciate it. As long as we've aligned our work with God, we'll succeed. And we have a great example here with Nehemiah and the Jews who joined him in that work. This is what they did. First of all, we're told in verse 6 that they had a mind to work. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The New Testament speaks a lot of what type mind we should have and where our mind should be focused. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul says, think of heavenly things. And Peter says, with those thoughts, be prepared for action. And then Paul again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Here Paul says, if we've got our mind on the things of God and we set about doing those things, it will not be vain. It will not be empty. It will be completed. It will be successful. So the people in Nehemiah, they had a mind to work. They had a mind to do God's work. But they were also prepared. In verses 12 and 13, Nehemiah says, at that time, Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. That phrasing in Hebrews is a little convoluted and people aren't sure exactly what it means. Different translations translate it different ways. But what seems to be going on is that word is coming from the surrounding communities that there are people coming to disrupt the work, so you might as well retreat and save your lives. But rather than retreating from the work, they prepared themselves to complete it. And Nehemiah said, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open spaces, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. They had a plan for these people that would come and invade. They were ready to stand firm against any attack. The New Testament tells Christians a lot about being prepared, especially for Christ's return. But one verse I want to share with you in particular is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 16. Paul says, So we do not lose heart, 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The preparation that the Jews were going through not only prepared them to complete the wall, but to be ready to defend themselves once the wall was completed. They would have everything they needed to make Jerusalem home. In the same way, Paul is letting us know that as we go through life and we suffer different setbacks, those are not a reason to retreat. Those are things God is using to prepare us for eternity with him. Nehemiah also lets us know that they were alert. They were paying attention to the circumstances around them. They didn't get so focused on what they wanted to do that they weren't aware of the forces at work against them. Verse 20 says, In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. There was someone that was on watch that would alert everyone else that there was trouble and they could all come running. Again, Christians in the New Testament are called to be alert. Specifically in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where Peter writes, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's important for us to pay attention to what's going on around us, to be able to see how we should respond in godly ways so that we're not overcome by evil. The Jews in this story also were willing to share the burden. They were each working together to make sure that this was completed. Each one had their job, and they did it to the best of their ability. Verse 16 said, From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Each person understood the load they were supposed to carry in this project, and they did it willingly. When we get to the New Testament, we're told by Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, that we should bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Nehemiah and the Jews helping him also overcame their fear. They were afraid of the people who were out to stop them. They were afraid that they might not complete the work. But Nehemiah reminds them not to be afraid. And in verse 14, he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You don't have to be afraid when God is with you. And to drive that point home for Christians, John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. In this same letter, John lets us know that God is love, when love and or God is with us. We have nothing to be afraid of. As our love is perfected, our ability to give and receive it grows and becomes complete, we no longer have anything to be afraid of. In the same way the Jews of Nehemiah's time did, we can overcome fear. But maybe one of the biggest things that these Jews do is allow God to provide the results. They did the work. They did the thing they were called to do. But whether they were successful or failed, that was up to God. If it was God's work and his will, it would succeed. So they just kept doing what God asked them to do. They didn't try to force Sanballat and Tobiah to work with them. They didn't try to make people who didn't want to build the wall be a part of it. They just did what God wanted them to do and trusted God to give the result. Nehemiah says in verse 20, Our God will fight for us. 
Our God will take care of us. Certainly the circumstances were very different, but Paul echoes a similar sentiment in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He had been talking about whether or not he had baptized folks and that folks were taking the name of the person that baptized them and how wrong that was. And he reminded them that he had planted, Apollos had watered, and God was the one causing the growth. Paul and Apollos each had done work in the kingdom. Paul had planted the seed that would grow up and be nurtured. Apollos came in behind them and watered that seed and was able to see it grow. But it was God who was producing the fruit as a result. When we're joining in God's work, we've got to be content to do whatever he's asked us to do and trust him with the results. So yes, in doing the Lord's work, we have every excuse to fail because quite frankly, we're not good enough. We're not able on our own to accomplish these things. But with God, we have every reason to succeed. We just have to have a mind to work, a willingness to be prepared. We must be alert and willing to share the burden. We have to let God conquer all our fears, and we have to allow Him to provide the results. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, CaleraChurchOfChrist.org or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.